I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, welcome in to Rams All Access, week four edition. The New York Giants at 0-3 and the 2-1 Los Angeles Rams. My name is JB Long. DeMarco Farr is here. MJD with us as well. How should the Rams feel going into this week four contest at SoFi Stadium? Uh, Very confident. Um, I I think that you showed that, you know, even though you didn't start the best, you finished strong and you can come back from 25 points down. Uh, You showed a ton of resilience. Uh, and I, I truly believe that there are some areas that you need to clean up. In every game, you always can get better. But as a whole, this team showed a ton of improvement from week one to week two and from week two to week three. And so you just want to keep improving each week. And if you can continue to do that, by the time week 16, 17 comes around, you should be clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, I, I, I still don't know how you make that call if you're that official, but that's just the way it is. But I, I think I left with two things. One, Buffalo's legit. Josh Allen is, is – worthy of being called mm-hmm. an MVP or an MVP candidate. And, you know, the Rams, the way they came back, I mean, look, it was surgical in the second half. And uh, they're as good and as tough as everyone out there. So that's a game you should have won, could have won, but you didn't, so you have to move on. But, I mean, yeah, um, you're going to take away posit- positives and negatives from each win or loss. But from that one, I think there are more positives to take away. It's funny how a 29-0 run in football can make you feel good about even a loss, right? And yeah. a loss to the right team. Like, in these first five games, it's the only AFC opponent. In terms of late-season implications, if you had to lose one, that's probably the one that you want to take. Um, but I, it's funny how this might be the most optimistic loss I can recall in my time covering the team, if that makes sense. Well, I, I think it's because of that call. Because I, I've sat in these meetings with uh, the head referee, Al Riveron, and he said... The last play of the game, it's 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 a it's a, a type of it's a situation. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a hail mary play, but when you're in the when the clock dwindles down, you're on fourth down, the game's on the line. They normally let guys play. They don't call pass interference or anything. They let you play. They let you push off. They let you hold everything you can do because it's the last play of the game. And it was just ironic to see that. And I had to go back this week and 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 like go through the notes that I have from the, those meetings. Um, and it's like that guy. The refs don't want to ever be in control of a game, and you controlled that game with that call. And so, you know, it happens. Um, I, I know a lot of people are upset about it, but it's it's a great lesson to be learned, right? So now I know, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to put my hands up because when I do that, they're going to throw a flag anyways. Well, we asked Sean McVay on Monday night. This was actually proposed uh, Sunday night into Monday morning by a few different people. Like, I feel better about 2-1 and one this year than I did coming back from Cleveland at 3-0. and oh. And we posed that question to the head coach of the Rams, and here's what he said. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, I think we're a better 2-1 and one football team than we were at 3-0. and oh. uh, When you think about uh, how we ended up winning on that Sunday night game against the Browns in week three last year, um, I, I, I think that uh, you could get so caught up in some of the results that you lose sight of the process along the way. And I do believe that we're a better football team than we were last year at this time, even though the record is different. Here's what I'll say about that. It depends on what happens in week four. Right. Right? Because you were 3-0 and and you laid an egg against Tampa Bay at the Coliseum in week four last year. If you bounce back and you throttled the Giants the way you're expected to, 
I could see why three and one this year is truly better than three and one yeah, was you, last year. You, you laid an egg and and Jameis Winston stepped on it. You know, I mean, <laughs> absolutely murdered you. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing that is different for me is you found a consistent running game. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, really, I, I think Daryl Henderson and the way this offensive line is performing, especially in the run game, that would give anybody confidence. And didn't we talk about it? Part of that comeback, that twenty-nine point comeback, that that blitz of points most of that centered around the run game to, to, to start plays and to start things off. So with a good run game, you have everything in play action is available to you, which means this offense is working. So I, I see where you're going where a 2-1 and one can look better than a 3-0. and oh. I think last year you were kind of playing by the seat of your pants. This year you're more in control offensively than you ever were last season. Well, I also believe this too. If you – if you have a lot of uh, issues and you win, the win masks a lot of your your stink, right? Your it's the best deodorant. We talk about that. Yeah. When you lose, it's like okay, let's go back and watch this tape mm-hmm. and let's take some hard criticism and figure out where we can get better. And I can criticize you now because we lost. If we win, it's like okay, we'll just clean it up. Let's just keep you know stay on the winning track. This loss, even though again it it, it wasn't uh, it's a loss, it, it allows you as a coach to coach harder. And get on your guys and hold them more accountable. Uh, people are going to say, "Well, why can't you do that after a win?" Because once you win, you're just like, "Look, we did, we did what we had to do, right?" Like, I'll fix it. But it's not as as uh, much of a sense of urgency um, if you when you lose. I want to ask you both about the specifics of what you are coaching, trying to coach out or coach in this week, and make those corrections coming off your first loss. But you know, I like the point you both make about identity and commitment to the running game because to me, it's a sign of maturity from the play caller as well. Sean McVay goes down 25 points last year, you're not 50-50 anymore. Mm-mm. You're not running the football on first down and 20 with Malcolm Brown like you did during that comeback. Uh, and so I, I think, one, that speaks to where he is in his development as and maturing as a head coach. I think it also speaks to how much he loves this attack from the offensive line to the portfolio of running backs. And I spoke with Aaron Cromer, who coordinates the running game and coaches the offensive line yesterday. And it's pretty clear they feel like they can run into any gap. They can go left and right equally. That there's nothing that they can offer their running backs this year that they're not willing to hit a seam, hit a crease, and take their four, five, six yards and put their offense on schedule. I think that's the most important thing. Um, if you're a play-action pass, and, and we talked about this, JB, through text a little bit, the Rams aren't is a full-zone team like they used to be. They're pulling guys now. They're, they're creating different gaps. Um, they're running trap plays. They're doing different things. Which, And when you open up your running attack that way, guess what? The play-action pass is going to be even crazy because now you can pull a guard. Anytime you pull a guard, I don't care what it is, that linebacker is going to fire and try to, to meet that guard where he needs to be. So now that opens up what? The middle of the field. And we, you'll start to see the Rams attack that more and more because the the diversity of their running game, the different schemes that they like to run. It's funny, too, how the, the jet sweep looks different when you are threatening teams' A-gaps, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they got 10 yards a rip on Robert Woods all three times. Like, they, they could have run that 30 times if they wanted to. Like, that corner is much more available, even though they're not hitting it as heavily this year as they were in years past. Well, yeah, when you're bringing the hole to the back on those zones, the way the offensive line has been performing, and we keep mentioning David Edwards, how fast he is getting to the second level. They're all pretty athletic. If you're that backside end, you've got to close and cut off the cutback mm. because if you don't, he's out the gate. So that's always going to open you up for the end arounds or the jet sweeps or Robert Woods or whatever. Uh, so as long as you are credible in the run game, everything else will flow off that. And I just go back to what Denver used to be uh, with John Elway. Throw it all over the yard. And you made a Super Bowl. You didn't win it. But then they started to run the football effectively with – 
uh, with TD, with, mm-hmm. with Terrell Davis, and then every one of those backs that came through there. John Elway was your second worry on defense. And just imagine that, when you can go into a game with a quarterback with John Elway and he's actually an afterthought to the run game. You've got no chance defensively, mm-hmm. so it makes everything else around you that much easier. And when you're running the football, what else are you doing? Controlling clock, giving your defense a chance to rest. That is how you win football games in the National Football League. He's Marco Farr with Maurice Jones-Drew. I'm JB. Long week four edition of Rams All Access. We'll flip sides and talk defensive adjustments in just a moment. But since you brought up Elway as the quarterback complement to that running game in Denver, I feel like we have to mention Jared Goff here, who in my eyes played his most challenging game yet and also rose to the occasion and executed in a way that, look, his first two games were great. They were efficient. But he had to hold on to the football and make some you know, muddy pocket, late developing throws, hang tough, move his feet, uh, readjust the platform in a way that we haven't seen him necessarily need to in two wins to this point. Well, not only that, too, you, you throw an interception, right? They go down and score, so you're now you're up. In, we Do all, we know, by the way, was any of that on Van Jefferson? I, I believe that when you run an inside breaking route, the DB can't be inside of you. Does that make sense? Yeah. If I'm running anything that comes back to the quarterback or going in towards the quarterback, the DB has to be on my back shoulder. For some reason, that DB was on his on his inside shoulder, which means either you didn't run the best route or you didn't cut him off to go get the ball. And for some reason, Josh Reynolds played a disproportionate amount of snaps for the rest of that game relative to the share that Van Jefferson had been getting so far. Right. And so that that I mean that could be on both. Again, you don't throw it if you think the guy right. their DB sitting on right. it. And then if even if he is sitting on it as a receiver, you got to get there. But I'll say this: he bounced back from that. Some, sometimes we've seen Jared kind of press a little bit. We've seen Sean press a little bit in those situations. But they got back to what they did best. They kept running the ball. Play-action pass was opening up. And like you said, when you needed those third and 11s, those third and 12s, and Jared has to slide to his left and the guy's coming, he's flicking the ball to Cooper Cup, who's sitting at the – like that is when, when you run the ball that way, then your quarterback is not exposed to that all the time. So he can make those plays four or five times a game, maybe even seven. But if he has to make those 10, 11, 12, 15 times a game, he's no. there's no quarterback that can do that. And yeah, so, I, yeah, I liked it in the pocket um, when he was moving. He's developing that sixth sense that some quarterbacks seem to have where they can keep their eyes downfield and also feel where the rush is coming from. Even when they can't see it, they can just feel, step, move. Uh, and they're always active with their throwing shoulder. They, they keep it going downfield. So he seems to be developing that. That one pick... I didn't like, I'm not sure who was at fault, but I would say if you were a mobile quarterback, that's where you buy time because everything else is covered. Mm. I think that was a bad spot to throw it. So that might be one you say, hey, Jared, dump this. You don't have to try to make a play here. Just dump it, throw it. Or if you had a guy that could move, scramble and make this happen because – Buffalo beat you on that play. Right. I, I like that contrast because up against Josh Allen, look, he makes some dynamic plays. And, like, to get third and 22, you have to have some of that, right? But you take the bad with the good. You really yeah. do. And, and he had played a clean two weeks, but the Rams got to him. The Rams forced those turnovers that were every bit as instrumental in their comeback as what they did offensively. So I kind of like what you're saying, which is with your guy, with Jared Goff, that just needs to be an incompletion and a punt. Mm-hmm. Like, don't buy that. Check, check down. Check down. Yeah, so, I mean, that's... Or throw it to the stands. Right, right. Yeah. It's just a different style, right? right like, right. And, and hopefully eliminate some of that Allen spinning off of Greg Gaines, getting tracked down by Morgan Fox, fumbling. You know, like, that can't be part of Jared Goff's element, right? Like, no, that, that, that's not who Jared Goff right. is. I think when you talk about Josh Allen and the difference of the two quarterbacks, uh, it's it's the way they're they're being used or asked to, to, to manage the game. Josh Allen is 
okay, we got all these weapons. We got to try to find a way to get the ball down the field. We got to take shots. And you may need to hold the ball a little because you're bigger, you're stronger. I, I actually uh, talked about this um, a couple weeks ago. He's like a mix between Cam Newton and Big Ben. I right? like think, think about what those guys do. They take hits, they rush guys off, and they, you know, that's not who Jared Goff is, right? And so you have to understand, you have to understand yourself as a player first. And I think that's probably one of the hardest things uh, for a player to do is understand what are my strengths and weaknesses because we all believe that we're the best. We all believe that we're, you know, Michael Jordan or LeBron James, right? We never want to say, like, okay, well, look, I'm 5'7. You're not going to throw many go routes on six foot DBs, you know what I mean? But I, I want you to, but I know deep down inside that that's not a good matchup for us. I think so for Jared, he has to understand your 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 strength is throwing on time. Your strength is, you know, uh, play action pass, setting your feet, getting the ball out quickly. And and if you realize that, you'll be fine. And if the play is over, dead it, right? Just let it go. Coming up next on Rams All Access, we will have four down territory with the temperament of the Giants at 0-3 and 31st in the league in scoring. But up next, the Rams need a pass rusher. Who wants to go get the quarterback with Aaron Donald? We're taking submissions coming up after this on 710 ESPN. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, turning our attention to the defensive side of the football with Maurice Jones-Drew and DeMarco Farr preparing for the New York Giants, who, relatively speaking, should give the Rams some opportunities to make some corrections defensively. What's the most pressing issue, gentlemen, for you after three weeks on the defensive side of the football? Well, number one, I think AD is going to murder this offensive line. I really do. I I, I really do. Uh, No matter where you put him, I would put him right on the center, Nick Gates. Just let me get that out the way. Uh, This is a guy that's making his fourth start ever at the position in the National Football League. So when you watch Pittsburgh, Alou Alou killed him. They put Akeem Hicks on him in Chicago. Murdered him. So AD is going to have a field day. So who's going to show up with AD? I have no idea. Um, Morgan Fox is the only other guy with some juice so far. Now, he's a down lineman. Michael Brockers gives you what he can give you. Uh, But as far as outside, uh, if it's not going to be Leonard Floyd, then I don't know who it is. I really don't. I was hoping it might be Obo Okoronkwo, but I haven't seen enough of him, which says a lot at this point. So I I, I don't know who that other guy is going to be just yet. That other guy may not show up all season. This may be it for the rest of the year, and you may have to manufacture it with with blitzes. They started to bring the the slot corner, uh, Troy Hill, on a few blitzes uh, last week. I think that's what you may have to do to generate pressure off the edge. That that is such a – I'll say this. In order to get to where you're talking about to rush the passer, you have to stop the run. And and so many times in the last three weeks, we've allowed uh, we've seen the Rams allow the running back to bounce outside. The number one rule in football is to set an edge defensively. You have to force everyone back to your to your your help. That's where everyone. If you're the edge defender, there's only one other person outside. We're not paying that person to tackle. We're paying him to cover. So I need you to set an edge to force him to the guys we're paying to tackle. And so many times we we've seen. These outside linebackers at the last second try to dive in instead of just staying where they were and trusting. I think it's more of a trust issue because there was a one play um, 
It might have been Hollins was in there, and Darius Williams came in to fit in that, that gap. That's where he was supposed to go. And Hollins jumped inside, and then all of a sudden him and Darius Williams are all trapped inside, and the, the running back, Sealtary, runs around and gets a first down. You have to be disciplined when you're playing, especially a 3-4 style defense, because there's so many gaps in it. You have to be disciplined with your edge setting to allow yeah. those linebackers and the rest of those guys to get there. If you don't do that, and we used to play these teams all the time. I mean, we'd, we'd go against New England. The, the, re, the reason New England was so good in that 3-4 is their edge setters were big physical dudes. Willie McGinnis, Mike Vrabel, uh, Junior Seau was there. They were physical dudes that set an edge, and then they'd rush the passer. It seems like now... We have guys for the Rams that are looking to like get in their pass rush move instead of set stopping the run right away. And yeah. against the Buffalo Bills, you can't do that. I have no idea how, and you would have to explain. If I was a coordinator or outside linebacker coach, position coach, and I seen a, if I if I saw one of my guys who I put in a wide nine, which means you are the end man on the line of scrimmage, or in a ghost eight, which it, means you're out there by it, yourself it, and there's no one else. I don't. If you're a seven, I don't know how that offensive tackle can hook you from there. That is impossible. That can't happen at this level. That happens in high school. That happens in JV. Hey. That can't happen at this level ever. That's why I'm putting you out there. When I coach my little kids, I used to tell them, no edge, no chance. If you let this dude hit the sideline, because especially in little kids, the sideline is gone. Like, you have to make that dude cut up to our linebackers every yeah. time. And it, and it's it's fundamental football. It's, it's what defenses are made for. That's why when you see four, three defenses, defensive ends are outside the tackle. Right. Th- that's why when you're in a 4-3 or You've a 3-4, you have to have contain. You've like, got nothing if, without that. Because yeah. if you don't contain, I'm just going to run stretch at you the whole game, and we're just going to eat the clock and kind of do what we want to do. And so I think in order to get to that pass rush like we saw late in the game, you have to stop the run first. And if you stop the run, and we we saw Aaron Donald, it was like, man, when is Aaron Donald going to show up? Because he was working on stopping the run, trying to get to the quarterback. And then finally, late in the game, he found his way, and he was able to make a move and get there. You have to stop the run first in order to – I guess it's 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 a privilege to rush the passer. And the way you get that privilege is by stopping the run. If I got hooked from there, if I was a player that got hooked from that position, I would go into the blue tent on my own. I would just hide. <laughs> I would hide from my teammates. Really, I really, we, you have nothing if you can't accomplish that. I mean, you've got a week, maybe two, to figure it out. Because if you don't have the answer going to San Francisco. Oh, yeah. I oh, that, that's what they're going to do. I can guarantee you that will never happen again. Really, every defensive coach, when that happens, that's all you're going to work on and talk about and emphasize. That is going to be... Job number one going into next week. That will never, ever happen again. It can't. I'll be curious to see if they audition anyone else with some of those snaps defensively against the Giants, who you could argue are probably the perfect team to, to iron this out against, right, in terms of no Saquon Barkley. A team that can't run the ball. You know, yeah. they, they're, running, do they're, anything. They're, they're running some zone read mesh yeah. concepts with Daniel Jones, but he's not going to threaten you the way that Allen did. Um, and, and then you got Washington around the corner. Terrell Lewis, the player who you probably drafted with the idea that sooner rather than later he's going to be that option opposite Leonard Floyd, is not active yet, but he is back practicing. And it seems uh, unrealistic that he would make his debut against the Giants, but I would love to see him at least get his feet wet before you go to San Francisco. That is what he did well at Alabama. I, and when I scouted him... Can you imagine somebody getting hooked like that at Alabama with Nick Listen Saban? to me. <laughs> I scouted this man, and I had him as a late first-round pick because wow. he stopped the run from the outside. Yeah. He was strong enough against LSU to grab the tackle, hold him at bay, and force uh, Clyde Hilaire, uh, Edwards Hilaire to try to bounce and was able to make the tackle. Or when he rushed the passer, the first thing he does is make sure it's not run first. It, it's it's You have to be trained for that. And so sometimes, you know, guys can get untrained of it. 
right? But this young man here, when you're at Alabama, like you said, they are very sticklers with how they teach and how they coach, and that's why you never get your job back. You, yeah, if that happened, they would put the next guy in, and you'd never get your job back. With DeMarco Farr, Maurice Jones, Drew, JB, long week four edition of Rams All Access. Uh, some coverage, secondary issues as well before we get to those. Let's bring in the uh, defensive coordinator of the Rams, Brandon Staley, who had put together, I think, two solid performances, holding two NFC East contenders below 20 points. But it got a little bit sideways on them in Buffalo. Here's what he had to say about the performance. The positive after the game was being able to look at the tape and uh, being able to say, hey, you know, we show this up and, and we're on our way. And you know what? We did a lot of good things in that second half, playing our brand of ball um, that was able, you know, to contribute to us, you know, making that comeback. But uh, as you mentioned, you know, uh, explosions and takeaways um, win the day in this league. Uh, and we didn't do a good enough job uh, limiting the explosions in that game. All right. So here's a get right opportunity at home against the Giants. And they're by no means a finished product, right? I mean, they're playing some green defenders. They're the third youngest team in the league, and a lot of that is on defense right now. Should get Jordan Fuller back, although it seems to me you shouldn't be relying on a six-round draft pick playing his third NFL game as the guy to get you organized in the back hey, end. Hey, if you're good, you're good. That's yeah. Some I, guys I, just don't test well, but they can play like gangbusters. But, but, but I, guess, <laughs> I guess the sentiment I'm driving yeah. at, though, is it's, it shouldn't be an either-or thing. Like It's not like Taylor Rapp needs to step up or Jordan Fuller. Like it was designed to be both. It's designed to be all of the above. Yeah. Well, here's what I noticed, right? I mean, in everything, you do it by rote. Um, it's not that – and you can't ask Taylor Rapp to slow down. You can't. He plays fast. That's just how he plays. But you have to play in sync with everyone else that's out there, mm-hmm. or it's going to be a little bit off. You know what I mean? There were some reps missing. It, it looked like there was some yeah. continuity, some oh, familiarity no, missing. So I think if that's Fuller instead of Rapp in, in those situations, I think the communication would have been a lot better. And you may not lose people in coverage the way you did with a new guy coming in. Well, that I mean, you have to remember too. Like in everything, um, they, there used to be a sign in UC, at UCLA when I was there. It's like uh, communication is the key, right? And that is in anything in life. You got to be able to communicate and understand each other. And rap missing training camp, you're in there getting coached. You're, you're seeing these coaches, but you're not getting those live communication reps, especially on the back end of the defense that likes to move yeah. and cut and you're all not, these different. You're not speaking at the same level with John no. Johnson the third. Yeah, he's been out there. Yeah. Right. You're you're in Spanish one. They're in Spanish three. Right. It is right. a little bit different, right? right. And so uh, I think you know that that was part of the reason. Um, the other part is at the end of the day, complicated what Buffalo was throwing at him. No, but Buffalo was—they were rolling. I know. I that's know. Like that—that's the yeah. other part. Like we could say it was the Rams. Like that. Like the Rams came out slow. Buffalo was hot. But none of those big plays were like, "Ooh, that was funky. Let's draw that up and use it next week." That was no. just base stuff that just guys got behind the defense because you didn't know what you were doing. Well, well also understand this. Sometimes it's the guys that are, that are yeah. getting behind the defense, right? Like, yeah, that rookie receiver showed up. To be honest with the Bills, like I didn't Gabriel expect, Davis. Yeah, I didn't expect yeah. him to do much. And Beasley, Beasley against Troy Hill, like Troy Hill is is he's getting chewed up in the slot a yeah, little bit right now. That was a great route, though. That on Beasley, out, yeah, Beasley's route was. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's something. That, but, they so you're about gonna hit. Yeah. there's nothing you can do about that. Like so he's just better at that right now, right? And so you have to. I always like that's the one part when you know you it's hard. Like it's hard because you coach. You want to. I'm going to coach everything. Like sometimes it's like, bro, like. He's just better than you right now, or he's just a better route runner, and you're still learning to play nickel because you've been on the outside for the last three years. So, you know, those are things that are they're, they're, like I said, it's always about improving and being better. Early in our in, in the show, I was saying, as long as you improve each week, you'll be fine. That's yeah. the most important because there's always stuff that you can improve on. What what did what did Coach Staley say about the identity of the defense? That the beginning of that quote when we play our brand of football, I, I guess our your brand of football is AD Rec Shop. 
mm-hmm. and everybody play off it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and I, that's fair. That's what you're paying them for. And it seems yeah. like, uh, not a final answer here, but it seems like rush four and play cover behind it is is kind of their style, right? I, that that, that yeah. is, if you don't, do, did we all watch the Monday night football game? Yeah. Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens defense was, has been phenomenal. If you can't get to the quarterback rushing three or four, I don't care because they'll start to figure it out. And literally that's all the Chiefs did was just little screens, slants. They took their shots when they had to. You have to be able to rush for and get there and cover. You have to. If you can't, if you have to blitz to get pressure, and that's what we come yeah. back to the, the pass rush, I mean, well, if Allen, you might, as well, just, you might yeah. as well just. If Josh Allen wasn't so dang elusive, you what, five sacks? In that game, five, six sacks, maybe. Yeah, but yeah. but I, I would say all of them coming after halftime. Two guys got free to the quarterback, and you didn't even touch the guy. Oh, that that was that was before that was Samson oh, before when, when yeah. he left. All right, yeah. So two may, guys. That might have been free. the only first half pressure, though. That that yeah. that comes yeah. to mind, right. and and I think these two topics that we're trying to wrangle with go hand in hand, right? Like uh, third and twenty-two, and your your late play coverage looks a lot better. If the quarterback's already on the ground or strip sacked or, or knocked off his platform, right? Like <laughs> the camera doesn't even pan to that portion of the field where you had the coverage breakdown. What about tight ends? Like, wow. I mean, Dawson Knox, their tight end one last week, is out with a concussion, and you got Lee Smith scoring on you, and you've got Tyler Croft game winning on you. Like, where did well, that come from? I, I I think that's something that the Buffalo Bills saw um, that they scouted and they saw that. They could take advantage of, and 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 we and during our broadcast of the game, teams' offenses are going to show you who they're going to attack in certain situations. If it's third down, like we used to say, third down and cup. Like that's because they knew on third down that's who you're going after. And the red zone, the Buffalo Bills were going after their tight ends. They were they were trying to find their tight ends, and it just so happened that Croft was the guy on that play action pass where they did the play action fake and he booted out, and Croft was by himself. They saw that before that some somewhere along the line they saw that. Someone had eye violations or someone wasn't doing their job or they were overcommitting. And so that's why on the last play, I was like, they're going to throw it to him because in in their game plan in the week, they're like, this is the guy that we're going to get the ball to in these situations. And he showed up again. You know, I mean, if you're looking at the Rams' defense, I mean, first, you're going to try to take away 99. That's right. job number one. Second, I mean, if it's a big play that needs to be had, you're not throwing towards Jalen Ramsey. You're just not. I mean, you might want to take your chances on the other side with Troy Hill or Darius Williams, but... I think every other team that lines up against the Rams is going to look right at their linebackers and say, we can win here with the guys we have, even if that tight end isn't a household name. Right. That guy, our guy, is a better athlete than what they have, or he's bigger than what they have. So I think every tight end is going to be a factor in every single game they play. Uh, speaking of Jalen Ramsey, before we go to four-down territory, have you looked at the uh, receiver depth chart of New York to pick out which matchup he's going to be uh... – He's, I don't think he, I don't think he's going to cover him. I don't think he's going to play outside like that. To be honest with you, you mean oh. Golden Tate? Yeah. Oh, that's going to happen. That, it's, it's, it's gonna, they're going to lock up. He's going to grab Troy Hill by the neck and say, "Move! I got this, dude." <laughs> no, there's no, there's no way. I, I don't. I, I mean, especially if Golden Tate starts to go off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, you know, you got some stuff going on there, and, and it may happen before He's the game. Bait. They're going to lock up before it's all said and done. But <laughs> Dar- I think Darius Slayton's their most vertical. That's who I think they're yeah. going to put him on just because he's so fast. And what about any Evan Ingram? Oh, no, that's a problem. Because, you know, to be honest with you, they don't utilize Evan Ingram the way you're supposed to because he's really not a tight well, end. They they don't have time to get him the ball. Well, that's But he's not a tight end, so they yeah. try to make him. Yeah. Like, that's the one thing. Like, if I had a tight he's like Gerald Everett or uh, – yeah, Gerald Everett, right? I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna put him an inline block on on Aaron Donald. They do that constantly with him. 
for no, for some they reason. They put Ingram in those positions. Yeah, that, that's why against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was getting Tyler Higby. <laughs> he was getting thrown around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, we'll just put someone else. We'll just put an extra lineman out there and do it. Without Saquon Barkley, where do the Giants go besides their quarterback to look for a running game against the Los Angeles Rams? We'll ask that question of a Giants reporter when we come back to Rams All Access on seven ten ESPN. Welcome back to Rams All Access. We continue with the segment we call Four Down Territory. It's our weekly trip inside opponents' territory. And Jordan Renan, who covers the Giants for NFL's ESPN NFL Nation uh, is our guest. Jordan, what's the spirit of this group at three at zero and three with an upcoming schedule that uh, reads at LA at Dallas next? Yeah, I mean, look, they're putting on a, a, a brave front at least. I mean, they're saying you know they're not hitting the panic button. I mean, that's what Logan Ryan said earlier this week, and and uh, Joe Judge said the same. I asked him about the mental state of this team, and he said they're fine right now. Like they're just going to work and and, and you know plugging away at this. I mean, they know they have some work to do, and I think it helps them mentally at least. This team wasn't expected to be, a, you know, a Super Bowl competitor. Like, they know that this is a process. They have a young quarterback, an entirely new defense, new scheme, in an offseason where, quite frankly, they were at a huge disadvantage because they're trying to learn and build up at the same time, and they, there was no offseason. So, I think mentally they're holding up all right, but, I mean, they are what they are. This isn't a great team, talent-wise, and they've already taken some big lumps because Saquon Barkley's not around. Yeah, Jordan, let's talk quarterback here. And in some ways it doesn't seem like it's Daniel Jones' fault. I mean, he's top 10 in pro football focus, his quarterback grades, but he's also been a turnover machine in the early part of his career. How much blame does he deserve for the 0-3 start? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. Like, does is, is it his fault, really, that they're losing? Uh, no, not really. I mean, they're not really good enough around him. There's not enough playmakers. They have run the ball the worst in the NFL by a significantly wide margin. But at the same time, like you said, the turnovers, you cannot turn the ball over two times a game in the NFL and have any chance to win. I mean, every week. I mean... You know what happens when you have 32 turnovers as a quarterback? You're Jameis Winston, and you end up without a starting job. I mean, that's where the Giants are right now in regards to the turnovers. They're averaging two turnovers from their quarterback every game, and it just can't happen. And 12.7 points per game, like that's where you say, okay, it's not Daniel Jones' fault that they're losing and that they're 0-3, but you just wish you saw a little bit more in regards to the production side of 12.7 12.7 points per game. Like They're good in spurts, but they're just not good enough consistently to get down the field, make big plays, and put points on the board. So I think you're still sitting there. You're probably in the same spot you were before this season started with Daniel Jones saying, hey, this is a good young quarterback. He can do a lot of things really well. There's a lot of things you could see and you could point to and say, look, that's a franchise quarterback. These are things a franchise quarterback does. But he has to do it more consistently, and he has to do it without those turnovers. And you're still waiting for that game. Maybe this is the week, we don't know, where he plays a clean game, and he doesn't have those turnovers that really hurt the team. Jordan Ronan covers the Giants for ESPN's NFL Nation. He's our guest on Four Down Territory as we preview Week 4. And in their first game without Saquon, pretty even carry distribution between Deion Lewis, Wayne Gallman, and Devontae Freeman. Who do you think leads the team in carries against the Rams on Sunday? Yeah, I think you're going to see more of Devontae Freeman than you did in Nucky. He was on the on the roster by the time he they played for five total days. So 
I think they had to give him just, okay, here's a little piece of the playbook, learn this, and we'll get you in on those plays. But now, you know, week two, I think he's you're able to do a little bit more with him. So you'll probably see him take over for Wayne Gallman a little bit. He'll probably be their primary ball carrier. And then on passing down, so you'll see you know, more of Deion Lewis. And maybe Wayne Gallman will be sprinkled in a little bit here or there. So, yeah, Devonta Freeman is going to be the guy you see the most carrying the football. If it comes down to the Giants trailing and trying to catch up, which as, what, 12-point underdog seems like a pretty good, pretty good bet, you're going to see a bunch of Deion Lewis in the pass game and trying to have him help out in the pass blocking as well. Last thing, do you think we'll see Jabril Peppers on Sunday? I do not think that you're going to see Jabril Peppers on Sunday. Uh, he hasn't even been out on the field early this week in practice uh, after suffering, suffering an ankle injury. So what you do have is you have Julian Love, who really started uh, the first two weeks, and then Logan Ryan, who really took Julian Love's spot last week until Peppers got hurt. So you have two converted cornerbacks who are really primarily free safeties, right? And so you don't really have that natural strong safety type guy. So if you're the Rams, you maybe spread these giants out and try and take advantage of that with the run game with like, you know, three wide receivers on the field and the giants with a lot of bunch of free safeties and not great tacklers on the back end. So I think, I think that's what we're looking forward to this, looking forward to this game is seeing a lot of Julian love alongside Logan Ryan at safety for the giants. Something Sean McVay sure knows how to do. Jordan, thanks for spending some time with us. We appreciate it. You got it guys. Anytime. Continuing on with DeMarco Farr, Maurice Jones, Drew J.B. Long here. And uh, after seeing the San Francisco 49ers put 36-9 to on these New York Giants, it seems like the bar has been set in terms of avoiding a letdown against a team that you can, I think, say for the first time this year, you're supposed to beat. Yeah, this is the thing. Um, it's funny because the, the Indianapolis Colts played the, the New York Jets, and they had been struggling a little bit, but they manhandled them the way they, they were supposed to, and it kind of gives you confidence going forward. Uh, if you're the Los Angeles Rams and this Giants team is coming in, banged up, uh, you know, all type of issues on the offensive line, your defense, you want to try to hold, shut them out. You want to have a, you want to, you want to do your best to try to shut them out. Kind of like the Cardinals, uh, Wade Phillips, when they played the Cardinals, the Cardinals didn't get past the 50. And that's what we were like, oh, this, this defense could be really good, oh, the right? The Sam Bradford Cardinals. Yeah, the Sam Bradford Cardinals, right? And then that was the year you go to the Super Bowl because you did what you were oh. supposed to do. Aren't um, those, DeMarco, aren't those games kind of dangerous, though, when you show up to the stadium? trying to blow a team out well i was going to say get control of the game that's number one get the victory set yourself up for for the win play to win first but if you've got a chance to blow them out go ahead and do it you know yeah, what i mean it's if confidence you're, if you're rolling and they can't stop you okay that's their problem it's not the time to have a heart and this might be the team to do it but get control first look i think the the new york giants are they're a good football team that's being held hostage by their offense, their offensive line and their quarterback. You know what I mean? Their defense is pretty damn good. Uh, Blake Martinez is a guy you have to account for. He's kind of like Milano. You know, he, he's, he's, he's just under elite, but he'll make every play if you let him. Um, so I, I think as when this offensive line starts to gel and they get better, the, the Giants will get better. But right now they're absolutely struggling, and you are better. The Rams are better. So go out and take care of business. Punch them in the mouth early. Let them know this is going to be another bad week. They'll start to get that bad body language. And then, like you said, if you start rolling over the top and you can blow them out, go ahead and do it. Well, Why I, wouldn't you? I was just talking from a defensive standpoint because defensively you have to get 
you, you got a little bit of your mojo back in the second half, but you want to start fast. You want to be playing downhill you defensively. Be, yeah, from you want to come yeah. right, right. Let's go. <clears throat> Offensively, you know they have their their listen. Their front seven is really good. They 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 play hard. Um, they got some guys that can stop the run in the fr- up front. Huge dudes. Yeah. So you're gonna yeah. it's gonna be a little bit of a challenge, but if you can get in your rhythm. And we've seen this. If Jared Goff gets in rhythm and Sean McVay gets in rhythm with the play-action pass, you little no huddle, you get things going, you can – I th- think you'll crease them. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, a, they're an NFC East defensive line. They're built to stop Zeke. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not built to see this West Coast quick stuff. So I think you can get it going on them. And if you do get it going, I think Jared Goff will have one of these efficient, explosive games. He won't throw it a ton because he won't have to because I think you'll run it. But when he does, it'll be big play after big play. I envision John Wolford making his debut and Xavier Jones getting his first touch as oh, a yeah. Ram in the backfield. That's either going to be really good news or really bad well, news, depending I, yeah, on I, how things go I was going to say, in the NFL, they don't do that. I've never seen a quarterback get pulled out not of the Not in the game. money league. I mean, I'll not, give yeah. you two minutes. <laughs> not, not even that. Not only to take a knee if that's the case. Like, we're paying you a lot of money. We need yeah. to go out there and finish this thing off the right way. This isn't college. What but, do you say to a quarterback who has five touchdown passes? Go get six. Let's go get six. Yeah. Absolutely right. <laughs> uh, as for Cam Akers, his status with rib injury remains to be seen. But go ahead. I had that injury. The exact one. Give him another week. It took me three weeks. I okay. played I played through yeah. it, but I was, no. I was a backup. So – it, it, like, it is you no can't, reason to rush now. Yeah, anyway. you can't yeah. sleep. I mean, it's a tough injury to heal because you, it's called floating ribs. Let me ask you something about Daryl Henderson, though, because uh, Demarco and I talked with Sean McVay about this on Monday. Like the way that they drafted him was as a compliment to Todd. It was like that third down scat back they'd been looking for. Never really seemed to pin down. Okay, didn't really work out that way last year. Then you draft a, a running back with your first pick this year. And to me, again, that signals, all right, Daryl Henderson is not our featured back. But then you see him run it the way he did in Buffalo, and I can't see any good reason why he can't be the lead back. No, well, I think you want to have three lead backs. And, no, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't think the Rams and, and, and Rams fans conceptualize Daryl Henderson as being a lead guy. He, he, he was in college. I, I never I, – he has the – so when you look at a running back, there's two type of sizes you look at. You look at com- short, compact guys, right? So you're 5'10", 215, 208. You're, you're short, powerful, what you see. And that's what you see. Or you see the bigger back, right? And those are, those are going to be your lead guys. When you look at a third down guy, we're going to see a bunch of those for the Giants. You're going to see Deion Lewis. Mm-hmm. You'll see Devontae Freeman. Smaller guys, quicker, but not necessarily a guy that can, you know, take the pounding break tackles. And so we saw when you watch uh, Daryl Henderson in college, he did it, right? He averaged almost nine yards a carry. He was explosive. He could do all those things, and he had the build for it. I just thought it was more up in his head than it was anything else last year. Like he just – it was just a lot going on. And so you bring in Cam Akers, and and what I – it's McVay said something that really hit home. He was like, we brought in Cam Akers because he was a quarterback. So we understood that he could handle this offense and he could play right away if we need him to. Right, and that is the most important thing because there's so much that goes on in a running back's head from protections. Who I have? Do I have a full scan? Am I doing this? All those different things. And if you're not used to understanding all that, it becomes a lot. And I think it just finally started to slow down for Daryl Henderson. So you got a guy. You actually have three guys, maybe four or five yeah. now. So I think he he attacks the line of scrimmage. You know, with the best of them, the way he just uh, he he gets through the hole quickly. I mean, that is dangerous for a defense because he gets up on you so fast. I mean, he's. 
up through the second level before you even know he has the football. I mean, right. that's that's all skill. And that's the offensive line and, and the play calling and how they do it with the tempo, with the hard counts and the quick counts, and they change things up. And then you have a back like that that's just absolutely dangerous. I will admit I was dead wrong about Chris Johnson. I said that guy is too skinny, too small to be able to be effective in the national. You know football he gained weight, right? For long term, I mean, but I mean, with a guy with hips that narrow shouldn't be that effective you, you in the national. He football. Gained, you know how much he weighed when he got in the league? How much? One hundred and sixty-five pounds. Good Come lord! On. Yeah, Chris when he Johnson, ran his, when he ran that forty, he ran that forty. Weighed one hundred. I think he crazy. Got a, I think Tennessee said he weighed like one sixty-nine or one seventy. But as long as you're surfing the blocking scheme yeah. like he does. Like Daryl Henderson does. And That's what's been impressive to me. When you talk about like yeah. being willing to hit every gap. You're hitting it hard like, and fast. Because his yeah. rep out of Memphis is, oh, they liked him because he runs outside zone and he's dynamic in the passing game. Like He fits with what right. we are back yeah. in 2018 or right. 2019, right? Right. No, he fits this offense, too. If you hit the block too thick, even if you're in your gap, He's going to be by you before you know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he makes you have to overcommit because he's so fast. The, the one hole. thing that I would I would always and and, and you, I see them working on a lot. And their running back coach is doing a great job. But he has to learn to pick his feet up in the hole because there's always going to be traffic. We see him. They grab his feet right, and it stumbles out sometimes. And the other thing is you just got to continue to run through arm tackles because that's what this offense is based off. Like you said, linemen are going to be thick on the defender, you, and they put their arm. You just got to be able to run through that. Um, and those are things that'll come with yeah. reps in time. But I mean, right now, like. <laughs> To me, and again, I, I get it because when I was playing, I wanted to be the guy. Like, don't put nobody else in there. But it seems like right now the Rams as a team, they have three or four guys that you could possibly throw out there and they can make it go. And that is terrifying. That is like you. That is more scary to a defense than anything else. Big time. Is that and guess I'm out you're here not t- talking about? Jared Goff. Right. I'm Play out action. here terrified because yeah. i got to tackle this big running back. And then when he comes out, another guy comes in and another guy. Like, it becomes tough. Even though I know we're kind of taking Malcolm Brown for granted again in this conversation, the two plays really stood out to me against Buffalo that were winning plays. One, the the physical run that DeMarco was making sound effects for us, like as mm-hmm. he got to the goal line that became the Jared Goff sneak in the first touchdown, right? Like that's that's Jared hawking what could have been uh, Malcolm's touchdown. And then the other one, when he's he's in that uh, pass pro mode, he's in front of Jared in, a, in an Anlong situation. And – uh, Buffalo's mugging, and, and the offensive line isn't sure where it's coming from, and they and he sort it out so perfectly that that becomes a third-down throw and a completion that, like, look, I, I like Malcolm. I mean, I like um, Cam, and I like Daryl, too, but you want Malcolm Brown in that situation. Uh, well, we we said that early in the year, that he was going to be the third-down oh you know, yes. critical situation. And this is the thing. When you're in that situation, you become the most important piece as a running back because guess what? The pocket can't collapse on your quarterback. So they're mugging because they think that they have an advantage with you that their linebacker can overpower you. And, and, and so for him to do that, I remember that play exactly. Jared like literally sat in the pocket like this. Mm-hmm. And guys are all around him, but in front of him, it was clean. He could sit in there and make the throw. That is the most important thing, especially with Jared. All right, let's get to the NFC West when we continue with Rams All Access. Is this another week where all four teams run the table? DeMarco Farr, Maurice Jones-Drew, and J.B. Long previewing week four against the New York Giants on 710 ESPN. Quick lap around the NFC West as we complete week four of Rams All Access here on 710 ESPN. The Cardinals are at the Panthers. The Seahawks undefeated 3-0 at the Dolphins. And the Eagles, still without a win, visit the San Francisco 49ers. Gentlemen, is this another week where the NFC runs the table? Looks like it. I mean, the Niners have the toughest, I think, the toughest one right now just because the Niners are banged up, but you're getting the Eagles coming all the way back to San Fran. They get the Eagles in Miami before the Rams. A chance to get to five, four and 4-1 before the Rams come to town. Wow. Uh, you, I, I don't think San Francisco can pull the same rabbit out of their hat that they did with 
you know they can. I mean, beating Philadelphia is going to be a little bit different. Look, Philadelphia play for a tie. I, I'm done. True. Okay. I'm done. All right. But I mean, that, that that right there, let me know. What maybe kind I'm of giving them more having. credit, but yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, and Arizona back to earth. Kyler Murray down to earth. Um, I think Seattle is. They might be one of the best teams in the league right now. So going to be a little bit tough. But, but, do do yeah. you guys think that Arizona overlooked Detroit? And just, that game, when I watched it, it just looked like they just weren't interested in that game. I think you're going to have – I mean, they still could have yeah. won that game. They could yeah. very easily be 3-0 and just like the Rams. How many picks did he throw? Three? Three. The kid threw three picks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think those are going to happen with with Kyler Murray. He's going to look great most of the time, and sometimes they're going to have his number. All right, well, how does 2-1 and one feel? We're about to find out. Because if you sweep the NFC East, if you win this week against New York and next week against Washington, and you're the uh, unofficial NFC East champion, then I, I think you can stomach a 25-point comeback and a tough flag in a loss at Buffalo. But if you don't look right this week, I think uh, it's cause for greater concern. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. You know, I, I, I think I would tell my guys, you, you know that game was ours. We won it, even though it says L in the ledger. Uh, feel like winners, and you go out and get another one this week, and you really set yourself up in the NFC. Like you said, you're champions of the NFC East mm. already. That would be awesome. That would be amazing. You know, that's Put the banner up. That's something you can print on a T-shirt and give to your guys for motivation. But yeah, I mean, I, I bet the Rams feel pretty good about themselves, even coming off a loss in Buffalo. And uh, you know, I hope they they fire on all cylinders, regardless of who they have in front of them this week. Sorry we can't see you at SoFi on Sunday, but 1 o'clock with pregame starting at 10 a.m. Hope we will uh, speak to you then. Look forward to spending part of our Sunday afternoon with you. Giants and Rams from SoFi and Inglewood on 710 ESPN.